Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencio, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. I am Ryan, again on Zoom with Brad and Zach. Greetings, my excellent friends. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go to the movies and we see a new movie. This week we saw Bill and Ted face the music. Excellent. Yes. Stay tuned for uh, at the end of the show where we'll tell you if you'd see the film or not. Play the trailer, and then we'll spoil the movie. Uh, we also talk about uh, movies that are coming on Blu-ray, movie news, and things we've been watching throughout the week. Um, did I mention last week, Brad? I'm sorry. I can't remember. I've been so busy this week um, that I ran into like a Denver radio personality when I was at the Denver Comic uh, Cards, Coins, Cards, Coins, Cards, and Comics. I think you tweeted about it. You didn't talk about it on the show. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, because I, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this because he's really cool. So... Uh, my job, I do a lot of uh, driving around. What? And, yeah. You're not one of those <laughs> walk the beat cops that like swings a baton and like t- tops his hat to the local storefront <laughs> owners? Well, you know, at, 10, at 10 o'clock at night, it, that doesn't really exist. <laughs> so, um, especially in Idaho Springs, it's a little more quiet, you know. Um, but so I was at. Coins, Cards, and Comics on the last day of new comics there. And um, I was just looking at comics, and I saw this guy walk in, and I recognized him. So I listened to Sports Talk while I drive, and his name is uh, Cecil Lammy. And he always talks on show. I was a big comic book nerd, and, uh, you know, he's a fantasy football guy. So I've listened to his show for years because he gives you hints on fantasy football. So he was just perusing the, you know, the new comics that are coming out. And I always remembered, you know, uh, I haven't, I don't know if I've talked about it in a long time. The first Denver Comic-Con we attended, um, I talked to Michael Uslin, and he always told us that if you see an opportunity, just kick down the door and take the opportunity. Don't be afraid. Oh, you kicked him in the face, didn't you? God damn it, Ryan. I thought he'd get his attention. Um, <laughs> wrong move, dude. But, uh, and he was saying it as, you know, like as a metaphor, you know, you never know. And that's how we got him on the show um, is he just said, hey, you know, do it. So I just walked up and I said, hey, uh, Cecil Lamb, I just want to let you know I listen to your show every night while I work. And he said, oh, thanks, brother. What, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a cop, so I'm patrolling all the time. And I said, I've listened to your show for years. And he said, well, I appreciate that, man. 
And so then he started talking about, he said, well, what comics do you like? And I said, oh, you know, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. And, and so we just started talking. He talked to me for like an hour about comics, about um, movies, because he's a big movie guy. Uh, and he, uh, he wants to come on the show. So I'm trying to set up uh, a time where we can just get him on the show. And uh, he's down. So maybe, maybe around Black Widow or something, we can do an interview and then include it in our Black Widow um, po- uh, podcast so he doesn't have to you know, do our whole podcast. I always feel weird asking a guest to sit down through one of our podcasts. And, um, <laughs> but is it was a, really... Is it something about our rants that go on forever? Is that... Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but what was really cool is he, uh, he, you know, he was so friendly and uh, super cool. And then he, he sent me a friend request on Facebook and uh, just a really nice guy. And he started following us too on Twitter. And uh, that night I was driving around town and he mentioned me on the radio and saying that he enjoyed uh, talking with me. And uh, it was pretty cool. Did, did he say I enjoy talking to Ryan or Ryan from Realtors podcast? <laughs> no, he just said Ryan. Ah. I know. <laughs> I know. He, but it was cool because he does a show with a former Bronco uh, safety named Nick Ferguson. And he said, you know, Nick, you totally love this dude, Ryan, I met today. You know, we talked for about an hour about comics and movies. And I think uh, he'd be a really good uh, quarterback for the Denver Broncos, actually. Put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was, uh, it was really nice uh, to have someone. I mean, you know, radio guys, I've learned like radio guys, voice actor guys are usually pretty approachable. Um, but it was kind of cool that he took time to talk to me. And he was so funny because he talked to me for an hour and then the only reason he stopped talking to me is he got called by the uh, Brandon Stokely and Zach By show, and he had to go do a Broncos report. So um, he was super cool, and it was really nice. And yeah, it's just a, it was a really cool experience. And I, I was going to post, uh, I have this lengthy article about coins, cards, and comics. Um, basically, it just talks about it. Then I talk about moments that I've enjoyed there. So now I had to add a new one. So I'm hoping that will be up sometime in the next couple of days. Um, my okay. article about my life at Coins, Cards, and Comics, because it's my life. Um, you know, I, I, so, so I, I switched my hold slot to Heroes Headquarters. And the guys there are really nice. They, they really are. But what I loved about coins cards, whether it's Brandon now, I mean, Brandon, it took him like a couple weeks, but he realized that I'm a cool person. Um, but like, you know, Andrew, if there was any time I wanted like Spider-Man or um, Harley Quinn stuff, he would just like throw it in my hold slot or at the green goblin, if the green goblin showed up in anything, if it's a variant cover or anything, you just put it in my hold slot. So the comic Harley Quinn is ending, uh, ended last week. And, uh, so they have a new one by, I don't know if you've read the white Knight uh, comic yet, Brad, it's pretty cool. Um, but it's like Batman white Knight, where the Joker is like becomes good. I thought that was uh, a, like a three issue miniseries. Uh, it's like six issues. And then they did the curse of the white Knight. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. And uh, the only reason I got it, I started getting that one is because, uh, there's a really awesome cover with Batgirl on it. I was like, oh, I'll read this one. And then since it was like issue four, I had no idea what was going on. So I went back and read the other ones. Um, but it's, it's a cool story. And so there's a Harley Quinn like series coming out from it. 
And so I put Harley Quinn down on my like pole slot at Heroes headquarters. And I said, hey, I, I put Harley Quinn down. Um, is, does that mean I just get Harley Quinn comics if they come out? And the guy said, nope. I go, so I literally have to come down here every time and tell you. He says, no, just tell us you want Harley Quinn stuff and we'll, we'll put it in your hold slides. I said, okay, <laughs> thanks. So, I don't know, it's just, go ahead, sorry, Brad. Uh, so they're canceling the existing Harley Quinn book and releasing a different series? Uh, well, uh, the White Knight stuff doesn't take place, I don't think, in normal continuity. And that's the one that's currently existing? No, so that one doesn't come out till October. So the one that currently is in, like, DC proper, I don't know what you want to call it, is canceled. Okay. So, so there is no Harley Quinn comic. So they're just doing, like, Elseworlds one-offs? Yeah, stuff okay. like that. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm sure it's going to come back. I think it's really weird that... Well, she's they, in the main Batman one right now with the Joker one, oh, yeah. right? So yeah. that's probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, got that one. That's all right. I, I feel like they're trying to like force feed me punchline, and I really don't know yet. I've never been reading any of it, so. I, I mean, I guess she's interesting, you know? Whatever. Yeah. I like Harley Quinn. I'm just struggling to get books, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, Mile High Comics is such a powerful buyer in the comics world, and they've pretty much they're not putting out new books, hardly anything. Um, like I was there cause I are doing a 50% off sale. So I was there a couple days ago and uh, I got, you know, the three jokers, which you should totally read if you haven't read it yet. Um, and I got the cover I wanted. I didn't even ask for it, but it's the one where Joker's holding up the fish and it's, you know, the smiley fish one. Um, but I was like, you know what, maybe I'll pick up a different cover too. Cause each, I like the red hood one. He's like pulling off the red hood and there's acid on him. And uh, I went to mile high. They didn't put any out. They only ordered as much as they needed. And uh, yeah, they're just ordering for their hold slots. So, but there's some that are popping up. Like they had a couple, they had the new Catwoman. It is, it's weird. But I, I think he's doing it to be vindictive because he was pissed that DC left diamond. But you know, I, I've been talking to the smaller comic shops and they said it's been way easier. To order so i don't know i don't know all my comics are getting canceled batgirl harley quinn good for my wallet like yeah only having to pick up uh an ongoing single issue uh like turtles has like three covers every time it comes out so that's kind of expensive yeah but, you know um, i yeah it's too i also got to talk to the Guys at Heroes Headquarters. So, you know, some people like the variant covers. It's cool. And they gave me... Uh, so the new Spider-Man came out, and they gave me the variant cover, which is drawn by Mark Bagley, who's drew Spider-Man for 20 years. I mean, it looks awesome. But at the same time, I also still want the normal cover, too. But they sold out of them. So I go, ugh. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, next month is going to be brutal. The Green Goblin comes back uh, for the second Spider-Man comic in the month. And it's like a $7 comic, and he's on, I think, four variants. We'll see if I get them all. I, I put on my hold slice at anything with Green Goblin, so we'll see. Quick question. Where, where did he go? I, I'm genuinely asking. Like, cause oh, they, oh where, where did the Green Goblin go? Yeah, like, where did he go? Uh, come back? He really didn't go, well. He's dead, right? Uh, no, he bonded with the Carnage symbiote. Hey. And uh, 
it's he's separated from it, and then Spider Man like threw him in the Marvel's version of Arkham is called Ravencroft, and so right. he was in there, and then he kind of went crazy, and then there's again this, <laughs> <more> crazy, <laughs> yeah. Well, like a crazy where he's um, uh, he's still like infected with like carnage or something. There's a new villain called uh, Kindred who I really hope it's going this way. So about 15 years ago, they did a whole relaunch of Spider-Man where they Mephisto, the Marvel's devil, snapped his fingers and made Mary Jane and Peter Parker's marriage never happen. One more day. Yeah, one more day. It's infamous. And then they also brought back Harry Osborn. Um, but I have a feeling, so this kindred is this demon that controls, uh, bugs. And so he put a bug in Norman Osborn and it cured him of whatever the carnage did to him. And so now he's just Norman and the green goblin again. Um, but I think kindred I'm hoping is Harry Osborn so that Harry Osborn never really was like resurrected as Harry Osborn. He was resurrected as a demon because he also calls spider-man pete he doesn't call him peter which is what harry osborne did and he seems to know who spider-man is i mean a lot about spider-man so i really hope they do that because i just want them to like piss all over that like little bit they did um that's my goal anyways okay we'll see get a little catch up in there yeah yeah we'll see um Pretty cool comic podcast we have here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to segue right away. I know this would be a news, but uh, this week had really shocking development. Um, Chadwick Boseman passed away. And um, it yeah. like it, it was shocking because he I mean, I don't think he ever announced that he was sick. Um, nope. He just he just went about doing the movies, um, worked his ass off. And, um, so he, he passed away, um, was it Thursday, Friday, Friday, Friday yeah. from stage four colon cancer. Yeah. And I was talking to Zach that night. I was shocked. I happened to be on Twitter when it popped up. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was on the phone and I saw that you guys posted it on the, on the, um, the page and I was like, yeah. Holy shit. I had to stop our, com- the conversation I was having to be like, dude, Jagway Bozeman died. I know. I, you know, I didn't believe it at first. Cause you know, when you see stuff on Twitter right away, and you're like, this is bullshit. And so then I went to the Hollywood Reporter, and the Hollywood Reporter didn't even have it up. And so I had to go to Variety, and Variety only had like the little blurb that he passed away. Right. Um, so so it, was one, yeah. it was one of those things where you look at it, you go, that can't be right. And uh, for some reason, like it kind of crushed me um, more so than a, like uh, a rec- any recent other celebrity. Um, I don't know if it's because um, not only uh, Black Panther, but you know, he was amazing in 42. Mm-hmm. Um, he just seemed like a generally like decent dude. And, um, you know, and then you read all the tributes about him and everyone, what they're saying. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's really heartbreaking. Um, I think it's cause, uh, you know, like someone like Stan Lee dies and, you know, he, he's led his life. Um, and he's had an impact on the world and, you know, there wasn't much more he was going to do. Whereas Chadwick Boseman was like, he was a new symbol of hope for a lot of people. Yeah. And now that has quickly been extinguished and it's just like much more crushing. Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a big thing going on. They shouldn't recast black Panther. I don't think they should either. Right. Um, I, I think they could make his sister Shuri black Panther. Yep. Um, or, you know, in the comics storm became black Panther for a little bit. So uh-huh. I, I don't think you need it. I don't would never recast T'Challa. Um, 
that's his thing. Uh, I don't know. It's just like if 2020 could get any shittier, you know what I mean? Like I, I we, we lost a couple dudes that like mean so much, like Carl Reiner mm-hmm. and then Chadwick. But, but you know, you're right. I mean, but Carl Reiner lived to be 95. So you go 98, 98. Sorry. 98. And you go, Oh, but Chadwick Boseman was 43. Yeah. I was, and, I was, I mean, I was telling you over, over text though, you know, it's amazing how much he, how much he gave to us as a culture and as a world while battling a very hard battle and not oh, yeah. fighting about it. Um, oh, I mean, you didn't even know. Nope. I mean, I think he, when did he, he had, when did he film, uh, to five bloods i mean he had been right in the middle of it he was you know what probably, I mean? well he was probably in the middle but i think he was filming that around 20 late 2018 early 2019 because spike was on that film for a little while because it's yeah. out in the jungle yeah um but um he you know i was wondering how he got super thin super fast um for the five bloods because he's not he's not black panther built in that movie yeah um, and, uh, but you know, I, you know, he's an actor, so I was, I worked under the Christian Bale assumption that was, and, and for all I know, he, I guess this is something I found interesting. I was reading online. There were people apparently giving him shit for looking scraggly hmm. earlier in the year. I had no idea that this was even a thing. Yeah. And then somebody pointed out, like, do you now realize what you were making fun of? I'm like, where was this? Wow. They should be ashamed. Yeah. Yeah, that's wow. Fucking, that's do you think people on online would actually be ashamed of anything they do? No, of course not. No, this is it's the fucking internet, Ryan. But yeah, but, it, it, it's yeah. I, so I, will, did, I, will, I will. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say. So, do you think um, you know Marvel didn't rush out a Black Panther two? So, do you think they they've known this whole time? They might have. I mean, they'd have to, right? Because like, if say legally, legally and insurance wise, they'd have to know. Right. Yeah. But he, I think I think he's also protected by HIPAA. I don't think he has to reveal it if he doesn't want to. Yeah, I, I, you have to imagine at least somebody knew. Somebody. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised. He seems like a pretty stand-up dude, mm-hmm. and he and he probably said, "Hey guys, just so you know, I'm really sick." Um, yeah, and maybe that's why they didn't really announce Black Panther two. You know what I mean? Because was it supposed to come out 2023? Yeah. Yeah. but they're like well maybe you know th- they're thinking we ho- we hope you can beat this we're praying that you can beat this and then we'll give you a couple years you can get you know back into how you want to be and um unfortunately it was never meant to be because yeah, he, he knew in 2016 so like yeah you know there's no guarantee like how fast the cancer removes so like yeah he'd have to let marvel know like you know you, you might not be able to finish infinity war like you planned yeah so yeah, yeah it makes more sense like why there wasn't it seems like you, you they would make a black panther 2 really like, quick yeah. yeah so that ex- kind of explains like because, marvel I mean, had to know yeah i mean it, it's the most ex- it's the most successful film even though infinity war made more money and uh endgame did but i think black panther when i say only only costs 180 million dollars and then it made i don't know 1.6 billion or something so it it's really- the most p- profitable movie they've made yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's the most successful on a cultural level right now. That and critically, to too. Yeah, and shoot, it's the only Marvel movie that has a Best Picture nomination under its belt. I know that Rightfully doesn't so. Mean, it, it, yeah, and I don't know, and, you know, awards meaning whatever, but, like, you know, to have the life that he did 
Because like, was the, I mean, I, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. Probably the first time we saw him was in 42, if in anything else. Right. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, first, I guess the first time I noticed him because okay. he's, he's amazing in that movie. Yeah, he is. And he holds himself up against Harrison Ford, which is not a, never an easy job. But so that's 2012. So from 2012 to 2020, think about how many roles he played that exuded so much power and so much command over the screen. That's I, I have never seen that in, yeah. in, in my lifetime, that, that span, and then have it cut short like that. There, there's Jackie Robinson, the Marshall movie, the third good Marshall movie he's in is amazing. I, the only one of his I haven't seen is Get On Up, which, Ryan, I found it on HBO Max, so I'm going to be watching it this week. Uh, um, have, you see, have you seen Gods of Egypt? <laughs> no. I'll let you borrow it. I have the Steelbook because the Steelbook's awesome. Okay. I bought, um, that, I bought that blind because the Steelbook was cool. It's it, Alex it's, Troyes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not that I really want my twenty four ninety nine back. It's I could be worse. I I could draw you twenty four dollar bills on paper yeah. and just pretend we could just give this a as a sign of like look gods of Egypt used to go, but um no and then you've got and then you get him into Black Panther with starting with Civil War, like if you get that diagnosis in twenty sixteen right after you are right in one of the biggest movies of the year which is Civil War and you still say like I'm just gonna push I'm gonna still do this like he gave a great gift with that performance in Black Panther. And then adding to it with Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a great thing to give to the world while you're suffering. Like that yeah. that it blew my mind away. I think that that's why it hit me as hard as it did. Is because yeah. that that is such a especially now, the movie Black Panther means a lot to a lot of people. And the fact that he gave that kind of gift before leaving us is absolutely astounding. I mean, I rewatched the movie this week, so obviously I'll be blathering on about it and what we've been watching. But and I will point out that I his role in Defy Bloods is also a similar impact, not just because of what he does, but also some of the emotion he exudes near the final moments of that movie with Delroy Lindo. If you haven't seen that movie, that's his ultimate role. So you want to check that out now. Available. Um, and then his final film your is um, really Ma bad. Rainey. Can you hear me? Uh, your connection's getting bad, Zach. I mean, we can hear you. It just sounds bad. <laughs> All right. Um, but his, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, but his last movie is a Netflix movie um, called, I'm trying to find, remember the title of Ma Rainey. Um, but they were going to preview screening of it and they've delayed it now. So, Ma Rainey's um, Black Bottom. Yeah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, that's right. Um, but so that will be his final role. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for the one before it, it would be Defy Blood. You've got, if you've got Disney+, Plus, you've got Civil War, Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame. You've got, you've got a great way to honor a great man, great performer. Yep. So yep. that's a, uh, brutal. Um, anyways, um, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. And, and uh, thanks for giving us uh you know the last uh you know he was great i don't know how else to say it thanks for giving us great eight 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 years of hope when there has been virtually none yeah 
Um, yeah. So yeah, seek out Black Panther if you haven't seen it. I don't know where you've been, but it's actually doing uh, classic screenings at Regal, so mm. you can actually go see yeah. in the theater for like five bucks if you want. Oh, that's yeah. So check that yeah. out. It seems it sounds like ABC's doing an uninterrupted screening of it tonight, or has already done it. So, but um, needless to say, there's going to be you know, and I, I agree. You shouldn't you shouldn't recast uh, T'Challa by any stretch. I um, uh, Shuri would be a great choice. Did we tell people yeah. what we saw this week? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Um. We also go over, uh, so, yep, we'll miss you, Mr. Bozeman. Thank you, um, uh, So, yeah, we also go around town with Brad. Brad and I were actually supposed to go around town today and see Spider-Man Double Bill, which would have been awesome. But sometimes real life gets in the way and it sucks. But anyways, Brad is here to tell us about what's happening around town next week. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Not all is lost, Ryan. You can still go see a, a Spider-Man double feature at the 88 Drive-In uh, up through Thursday. So, Oh, cool. If you have any free time, I doubt you do. but uh, uh, I do not. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. You have to get those photos of Spider-Man into J. Jonah Jameson's office or he'll be pissed. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Cloudy with a Chance Meatballs precedes Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home at the 88 Drive-In. The Denver Mart Drive-In is uh, doing Grease and Dirty Dancing again uh, because they're closing out their season this weekend. That'll be fun, though. So that was, I guess, their their biggest seller. Well, you know, the drive-ins seem like they're doing pretty well. I was reading an article on Variety, and it was 67% of unhinged... uh, box office last week was from the drive it so right on i mean empire strikes back was the number one movie in america because it played at drive-ins again yeah that's uh, awesome and jurassic park too also like was number one for a week what uh, was Spaceballs ranking when it showed at the drive-in <laughs> <laughs> not high enough damn it <laughs> yeah i wonder how you calculate that because when you buy a ticket to the drive-in for two movies you're only paying for one ticket it has to be some sort split of... Split in a, half? Yeah, split in half. Or if it's a first-run movie like Unhinged, it might get more. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or they have all the titles in a big uh, rollerball, and they uh, play mm-hmm. lotto with it to see who gets out number one that week. Uh, speaking of the end of the season, uh, yeah, I can't believe it's September already, and I know drive-ins are wrapping things up. Like I said, the 88 drive-ins still going, but oddly enough, the uh, Elvis Cinemas has converted their Littleton location into a drive-in. The one on Bowles? The one on Bowles. Uh, right. The front of their building is so flat that they threw a screen in front of it. <laughs> and, right. and they have a huge parking lot. So, uh, oh. yeah, I, I drove by, and they were playing a movie, right, for everyone to mm. see as you drive by. Nice. Um, and, yeah, it's, I, I guess they'll probably do it year-round, probably, until Dude, they can awesome. get back in, indoors. Uh, so there's another drive-in option. Uh, Holiday Twin is doing uh, Despicable Me 3 and the New Mutants on one screen and Bill and Ted and Unhinged on the other. And then uh, I didn't report on it, but it's I don't know how long they're going to do it, but uh, Film on the Rocks set up a drive-in at Red Rocks. It's expensive. 
yeah, uh, they kind of do a different movie sort of every day or every other day. But yeah, it's, it's $60 per car. So if you go by yourself, it's $60. If you go with five or six friends, you're only paying $10. I guess you get popcorn and candy and drinks, though. Yeah, you get some some snacks with it, and I, they partner with the Chick Fil A, so you could order some Chick Fil A. But that's expensive. It's a, yeah, it's expensive, yeah thing. So, uh, but you know, if you, if you want to visit Red Rocks, and I mean, it looks cool. The screen's huge. Yeah, uh, I mean, I haven't done it. I probably won't. But is it as big as the one on the stage? Uh, probably I th- not. Uh, it's really big. I don't know how big, but I was driving on Morrison the other day. And I, I can I can see it from the road. Oh, that's big. All yeah, right. I don't know. Maybe I will check out. <laughs> we have six friends that want to go to the drive-in. <laughs> if I can, well, uh, you know, my yeah, forerunner is... does have a third-row seat. Yeah, I can't. Like, I don't know. Unless you have like, a truck, used... more than two people doesn't really work. Yeah. My dad used to say when they tried to sneak others in, they put them in the trunk. <laughs> so you put your friends in the trunk, and then you drive them in, and then they would get out. So yeah, like, well, so I'll sit in the trunk, guys. <laughs> yeah, like I haven't, I haven't brought chairs. Like I don't usually sit outside of the driving because um, mosquitoes. So I usually just stay inside. But yeah, like you can't really watch a movie from inside your car like comfortably with more than yeah. two people. And at Red Rocks, I was reading, they don't let you out of the car. Yeah. So. So, yeah, at Holiday Twin in 88, like, you can put chairs in front of your car. You yeah. can't, like, you can't, like, mingle and walk around and stuff. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Oh, one piece of good news. Uh, so I visited the Mayan, which mm. recently re- reopened. And on my way out of the movie, uh, I, I ran to the manager and, uh, she revealed that the Esquire is, in fact, reopening at some point. No, oh, wow. Um, that their, the rumors of their demise are false. But Greatly well, exaggerated. Huh? Greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated? Yeah, whatever. Uh, but first, the, the, they're going to reopen the landmark at Greenwood Village first. So the Esquire is still a little ways off. Really don't care if they reopen the one near my house. I'd rather have the Esquire open first. Yeah, I need those midnights. You know, yeah, and the, she's the manager of the Esquire, not the Mayan, so she's excited to get back to it. So that's good. Nice. So yeah, that's that's some good news finally. Cool. Some, something. Let's just roll into if there's any other movie news this week. It's real news. Um, so I wasn't on the show last week, so really quickly, did you guys cover the fact that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel just replaced its director one week into shooting? <laughs> no. Oh, was that? Because I didn't know if I got that to you guys before you recorded, but um, I yeah. I think we um, recorded before. Yeah, okay. We, we spent our time talking about the DC fandom, but also forgetting to talk about Justice League. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Batman trailer was too cool. It's okay. I can describe the Justice League trailer for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ryan and Andy Tohill, um, who were the directors signed on for this Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that's being headed by Phoebe Alvarez, uh, were canned one week into production um, as they were shooting in Bulgaria due to creative differences. Um, and it looks like they will be replaced 
by David Blue Garcia. Um, he's an Emmy-winning Texas-based uh, filmmaker um, who made a, a horror comedy called Bloodfest. Um, so yeah, we, um, I mean, I, I just find it interesting. Like I, I haven't heard many stories as of late of a director being canned like one week into filming. Um, or I mean, the, it, the it should it had have been terrible like footage. And that's yeah. what I, I read. I, I don't know if his variety or bloody disgusting said that the people, the studio were not impressed. Wow. That's, uh, it's a tough break for those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, I mean, I mean, Ryan and I were talking about it at the end of the day. It's just like, shouldn't they just, why don't they just re-release Texas Chainsaw Massacre 74 in a drive-in and scare the shit out of people that way? Totally. <laughs> Be a way better idea. Um, and, uh, move on to some other horror news. Hey, guess what guys? Blumhouse is going to reboot the thing as we discussed earlier this year, but this time they're going to be doing it with John Carpenter involved. Uh, when asked why John Carpenter was getting involved, he said he needed more video games uh, and more basketballs to hang out with his, uh, to hang out with his son and his friend while they make more music. So nice. um, yeah, no, I mean, this says that Blumhouse productions and John Carpenter are developing a reboot for the thing. Uh, they said this during a panel for the Fantasia film festival, uh, early stages, but it's cool that Carpenter's, you know, coming back on and going like, look, 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 if you're going to redo my shit, just get me on this time. Cause I've seen way too many instances where it's not working. <laughs> so, um, although I'll make an argument for the zombie verse, but anywho, um, looks like Amy Poehler is going to direct a, uh, documentary about Lucy, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Um, so that sounds pretty cool. I hope it's like seven hours and features the entire origin of Fred Mertz. That's what I want. <laughs> so, um, and then the, uh, the, I think the big one that we've been kind of talking about on and off regarding Mulan, um, Ryan kind of pointed me out to this earlier in the week, but it seems like there is a rumor that, or like whisperings that Disney plus subscribers will get it without a premium price in December. Yeah. So then I, that means you don't have to pay that, dumb thing that they're asking for their streaming service. What, what I always say, and I was talking to Corinne about this, because Corinne wants to get together and do a watch party with it, which, okay. But if you ever cancel Disney+, Plus, then the $30 you spent won't matter. Because yeah. you won't have it, because you have to watch it through Disney+, Plus through their premium access. And I, I know this sounds counter- it, like what we shouldn't be saying, but if you love movies, you love going to them. Don't buy this movie on digital because if you're, if you're willing to shell out $30 and you enough people do it, Disney's going to start strongly considering doing this for a lot of their movies. Right. And, you know, and uh, full disclosure for our movie this week, I'm not innocent of it. Cause I did the PPV for, um, or the, the on demand for um, Bill and Ted this week. But, I'm uh, not I, – I find it confusing how Disney's doing this for a service that that's all they provide. Like, I did mine through Amazon. At least I know I'm going to keep Amazon around for that free shipping. But Disney Plus doing it seems really strange. So I don't know. Yep. Well, it's because um, they can. It's their platform. Yeah. It just seems – it just seems weird. It, I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, if, yeah, if you want to wait to watch Mulan – um, on December 4th, it's sounding like then, um, uh, you, you, you might just want to just wait and make it your Christmas movie or something. Um, and then this is the last piece of news I found was funny. 
kind of relates to our movie of the week. Steven Soderbergh, um, who is one of the executive producers of Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, apparently, in addition to making sure that movie got out, he's been re-editing three of his films in quarantine. Uh, these include Schizopolis, Full Frontal, and the movie Kafka. <laughs> uh, these are movies that he owns more of the rights to. Um, if you haven't seen Full Frontal, it's it's fine. Schizopolis is very weird. Kafka is interesting. I want to see what else he does to mess with Kafka. Um, now I want to see, will he re-edit other films like Out of Sight, Ocean? Will he re-edit Ocean's 12 to something that people will bash less? Because um, I like that movie, but people seem to hate it. Um, and then that's news. Being you know, a director is re-editing their movies. I just read that uh, Sylvester Stallone is... Uh, taking the robot out of Rocky Four. Are you? Are you? Are, please tell me that's a joke. <laughs> I hope so, but uh, it was. I don't know. He was on Twitter a lot. You know, we just didn't have the technology to not put the robot in there. <laughs> what the hell? That's like that movie is so short to begin with. I don't know why you would take more stuff out. <laughs> just put more montages of me doing shit in the woods. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah. And then, yeah, nothing else unless anybody has any breaking news that I haven't been made unaware of. <laughs> uh, nope, I think that's it. Sweet. Movies come out on Blu-ray and Ultra HD. This is what's coming out this week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, Brian, it looks like uh, you can... Um... Uh, get the Goonies on 4K finally. Hey, the Goonies are what? What's good enough is good enough for me. It's good enough for me. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you get. There's a steel book from Best Buy that looks awesome. It's got the. Uh, it's got the logo for ne- the logo "Never Say Die" along with the uh, the skull and cro- uh, cross swords. And then there's a looks like a treasure map edition. Um, that is going to be for doesn't say which one, but Oh, it's one of the gift sets that they're doing, but yeah, you get a treasure map in there and some buttons and stuff. Um, and then also Warner brothers is also putting out Beetlejuice in 4k. Um, I was just a heads up to our listeners. If you're thinking about getting them, cause you're hoping for new special features, they're not on there. I just read the reviews of them on uh, blu-ray.com and it's the old blu-rays with no new special features. That sucks. I do like this uh, steelbook for Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, it's um, awesome. Too bad the movie sucks. I, I, you know, I need to rewatch the film because it's the last time I rewatched it was for '88 Film Explosion, um, and I remember not putting it on my list because I was like, okay, this is fine. This this is not what I remember it being. Um, a 4K that I will definitely be picking up is Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows in 4K. Um, I don't really love these covers. But I also don't care because I want those movies in 4K. Yep. Uh, you need then, to definitely um, get a high, high, uh, high definition Ultra HD look at Robert Downey Jr. And Jude Law. You want actually, those both in HD. Uh, you know, I'm actually I bet those movies look pretty great because the scenes where you know Holmes is fighting that dude and he's figuring out the moves and they do that uh, high frame rate and stuff probably looks pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. I can imagine so. And they still shot those ones on film, so they're still going to have that nice little filmic look to them. Um, but, um, and then moving on, though, to um, other titles. Um, uh, the John Stewart movie, Irresistible, is getting a Blu-ray release. Uh, did anybody see it? No, I do. I, it, 
kind of went under the radar because it came out, I think, right at the height of coronavirus. Yeah, I- I've wanted to see it. Um, Steve- got Steve Carell and Rose Byrne in there and it's directed by uh, Mr. Stewart. So if you want to uh, check it out, yeah, you're more than welcome to. Um, and then looks like uh, there's a thing called Terrified, uh, which is a shuttered original. Um, looks like a guy who's already been dead, but now he's split in half is on the cover. That's uh, terrifying. It, it's it, Hey, you know what? Is it terrifier though? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I almost made that instead of day of the dead. I almost picked that one for a movie to watch for the week that just to make <laughs> Corinne watch a chick get sawed in half from her hoo-ha all the way down. That was the weirdest text to receive in the middle of the night from you. It was like, I'm thinking of picking Terrifier. And I'm like, <laughs> well, we know that you, us three, have already seen it. So I know what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to be an asshole. It's really oh, at the yeah. end of the day. I would have wanted, you know, actually, did you see the teaser for Terrifier 2? Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it looks fun. I'm glad they were able to get that thing made before everything shut down. Yeah. Um, and then the AGFA. Uh, is putting out a movie called Limbo. Uh, it's a movie from uh, 1999. That's uh, just low. But there's no synopsis for Limbo, so you'll have to buy Limbo to check it out. And support ACFA. Um, they're a good company that does stuff with the, gra- uh, the draft house every so often. Um, and then, looks like we are getting a Kino Lorber release of Death on the Nile from 1978. Uh, get you ready for that uh, Kenneth Branagh Death on the Nile, which we got a trailer for not too long ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. This version features of Betty Davis. I think we lost you, Zach. Are you there? Yeah, he's gone. Go ahead and Death on the Nile. Um, oh, Ryan. Back. You, this is the week. This is the week to figure out once and for all, thanks to vinegar syndrome, what is the 11th commandment? I don't think we'll get an answer for it, but you can is get Mel the Brooks in it. That's all I care about. He's not, he's not going to drop, drop a tablet on accident. Well, then I, don't, a, <laughs> then I don't care. <laughs> he's not going to be a stand up philosopher in Rome. And he's not, He's not going to present Hitler on ice. It's it's <laughs> not a funny affair, Ryan. I'm telling you. Know, you. I actually think my favorite joke from History of the World is when uh, he says, "How can they say I'm not a king of the people?" Pull, <laughs> and he shoots people up and shoots them. <laughs> he like launches them <laughs> like he's. Yeah, that's my favorite joke. People, fire! <laughs> oh God. Uh, not it's it's in the uh, part two version where he's just like after Hitler on it, he goes Jews in space and it shows the Jewish spaceship. Yep. <laughs> oh God. It, it, narr- it's a weird thing when that movie starts off being narrated by Orson Welles and then they make fun of fucking 2001 by having all the apes beat off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Mel Brooks is a treasure. Uh, yeah. And then other than that, the only other thing is Kino Lobor putting out a John Cleese movie called clockwise from 1986 which i have not seen uh, <laughs> so zach you broke up and it sounded like you said cock clockwise what's the oh, name of the, the yeah, movie? it's called clock it's called clockwise i was okay. trying to get my words together you, it, it didn't break up i said cock okay. um but yeah and that's news or that's blu-rays sorry awesome we watch films throughout the week in a segment we call what we've been watching So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. So I am starting a new watch series. I know I'm doing like 18 articles right now, but it helps keep me busy and not spend more money. 
So I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna tell people what it is, but one of the nerds is gonna be like, I can't believe you're doing this. The the first article will drop soon. Now you got me worried. No, it's not pornography or anything. Oh, that's helping it was for. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, you're not a So what what I was going to do was I was going to do pornography and the rating system is like how hard your erection is. So if it's a a bad (laughs) porno, just be like a little shriveled up limp wiener. And then the hotter it is, the more erect. So if you're totally like rock hard, then it's a super hot porno. Why are you you doing articles? It should be like one of those vlog series and we can make an animated penis. (laughs) And then if it's the best and uh, a little jizz comes out of the tip. <laughs> Have we lost any listeners yet? All that of is, them. That was that, it. You lost James's mom. I that did is, five squirts. <laughs> um, no, that's not really what's happening. I'm going but to hell. <laughs> you, will, you will soon see my latest like review series. It's going gonna, it's gonna to upset me, isn't it? I know no, it. No, so I'm literally going to drop probably five articles in the next two or three days. Yikes! I'm glad yep. I got my, I'm glad I got my releases out of the way already. <laughs> you know, you guys can yeah you know, put content on there too, like write articles and shit. Who do you, you think know, you are, um, DC Comics? Yeah, or you DC what, Studios. You know, <laughs> Ryan, I I will write some articles after I was done releasing some other stuff that I'll talk about in my segment. <laughs> cool, Brad. What you watch this week? Uh, quite a bit of stuff. Um, so I took another trip to the drive-in and I saw Zookeeper, Grown Ups, and Talladega Nights. Wow. Yeah. Talladega Nights is great. Yeah, that's uh, still holds up. It's, it's still pretty funny. You know, um, I never thought Grown Ups was like that harmful. It like exists, you know? It's, I uh, a couple times. I've never seen Zookeeper or Grown Ups before. So Zookeeper was pretty much what I imagined, uh, except I didn't, didn't realize the whole movie really revolved around uh, Kevin James, like trying to, you know, win this girl's heart um, and realizing that she is not good for him. And the animals help him do that. And <laughs> with Adam Sandler as a monkey. <laughs> yeah. And he sounds funny. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's pretty sweet. Like the, uh, like Nick Nolte plays the gorilla. Right. Mm-hmm. So the gorilla story, I was like, that's really like the best part of the movie is, you know, this, this abused gorilla um, that he, you know, who helps him, but he doesn't quite help back and then realizes that he should help him more. Um, but yeah, the whole like trying to win this girl's heart thing is like, this is the movie? This like, this is the plot of Zookeeper? <laughs> <laughs> like it has nothing to do with like animal conservation or, you know, like the there's not like a billionaire trying to buy out the zoo and bulldoze it or anything it's <laughs> he has to like you know learn some animal instincts which don't help them at all like their advice is terrible and brad, brad this movie was playing when i worked in movie theaters and i only saw like sections of it when i do theater checks do aren't isn't it because they're trying to keep him as the zookeeper and stop him from improving his life yeah like they want him like he's a good zookeeper so they want him to like keep his job and he wants to Okay. He, he just wants to hook up with uh, I forget who it is, Leslie Bibb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that movie's twenty eleven. Like that seems so much more recent. Like I know there's a sequel, but wait, there's a sequel? Oh, that's right, there is a sequel. 
Yeah, which I haven't seen either. And then Grown Ups, yeah, I hadn't seen either, but watching it, it felt like uh, I was watching everyone's complaints for why they hate Ocean's 12. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like such a hangout movie with your friends. Like, it's just... Oh, it really is. One big inside joke, and so I'm just like, the whole time I'm just going, like, is there a plot to this movie? Like... What what's the arc of any of these characters? Like, what are we trying to? Is that so? Well, I, I I like Adam Sandler. Is that the one where they fight the frat guys, or is that Grown Ups too? That might be too, because they're just this movie is just them hanging out at like a cabin. Okay, yeah. Like it's a summer, and this is the one where Adam Sandler gets pissed on by a deer, right? That's or is that Jack and Jill? That's the second one. That's the second. Grown-up. Okay. But the first Grown Ups, there the the plot. The, the, yeah, the whoopity doo of the that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that they're there to bury their high school basketball coach or something, or that's right. general. and then the ending is them facing off against other douche jocks. Um, when I get done with Kate Blanchett, I might do Adam Sandler. Can you can yeah. you call the series Whoopity Doo? <laughs> Probably. You'd have. I, I don't know how you spell Whoopity Doo, <laughs> but we can figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, so. Yeah, they have to bury their their coach, and Adam Sandler uses the trip as like an excuse to uh, like his kids are becoming spoiled, like Hollywood yeah, elite. That's kids right, because he's like a script writer or something, right? Yeah, and he's like, yeah. I forget, he's, he's like trying to get out of the game or something. Yeah, uh, and his he doesn't tell his wife and kids about it, and he uses the uh, like the you know the, the venturing into nature excuses to like get his kids out of the house, so. Yeah, it's it, but yeah, the whole time it just really feels like you're just kind of sitting in on, yeah, their inside jokes. Uh, you know, I I never thought it was that bad either. I know everyone like like critics hate it. I didn't think it was like that bad. It's not. It, it's not. A, it's not atrocious. It's an Adam Sandler movie that is fun. Yeah, it's not. It have I rewatched it since I saw it in the theaters? No, but I had fun when I walked out. <laughs> Like you just have to really like those guys because yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't think the jokes were like oh these are so funny like Talladega Nights or anything, and there's just like a lot of just meandering you know yeah, um, yeah. it's a lot so. of improv you know that's just them it's literally them goofing around and it's fine yeah it, uh, what I love about Talladega Nights is it's Will Ferrell at like his goofiest that's why I love Anchorman and stuff because it, it there's parts where it's just really stupid but it's really funny. And Talladega Nights, I love when um, he loses a race and <laughs> Cal Norton moves in with his wife and he's like, that was like five minutes ago. <laughs> and his wife's like, I'm with a winner now. <laughs> oh, I shit. I, I Why am I still you, talking I, to you? <laughs> I should have gone with you to that, Brad, because I would love to see my favorite scene in that movie on a big drive-in screen is uh, them trying to pry out a knife that Ricky Bobby stabbed in his leg with another knife. Use like, another knife, yeah. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey, Chip. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like that's better than Gross because like Ricky Bobby actually has an arc, and yeah. they're making they're actually making a point to make fun of NASCAR and like the Southern, you know, the the the, uh, the, 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 the America rah rah kind of crowd of the two, early 2000s, yeah. It's, yeah, McKay's been saying stuff for years. <laughs> like, then he made advice. <laughs> yeah, the part is like, uh, you know, he has to drive with the cougar in the car. He's, like, <laughs> he's dragging his feet on starting to do it. It's like, oh, oh god. <laughs> um, yeah, and then also uh, Rocky Five 
uh, was playing at the theater, which mm. is interesting. Like they had all five of them, but uh, I, I, you know, Rocky Five is so hated. I'm surprised they you know put it in theaters at all. So was there other people in your theater? Nope, I got to watch it all by myself. It really? Was great. Yep. Wow. Even like uh, you know, every theater. I when I saw Bill and Ted today, it was pretty full. I mean. I mean, as much as it could be. I, I I don't know what the capacity at Alamo is doing, but my whole row, like Kellen and I were on the end, and then it had the two seats, and then there was a person there, then it had the two seats, and there was persons all the way up. So, uh, Yeah, my face music was kind of like that too, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I did, you know, I, 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 Rocky Five, I keep in high regard compared to other people. But I did start like nitpicking it uh, as I was watching it, being like, "How does he know this already?" And uh, yeah, this shot doesn't match up, like stuff like that. Mm. Uh, then I rewatched uh, for the first time since I was a kid, "The Witches" because it's on Netflix. Nice. I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't get like lumped into because it's a Jim Henson production. Yeah, and it's often yeah. not included in like the Labyrinth and Dark Crystal like fandom. I think the makeup in that is amazing i know like it's warner brothers so maybe that's why oh uh no i'm pretty sure labyrinth and dark crystal are warner brothers as well those two yeah definitely the reason i I, yeah yeah the reason i know that is because we have both of them and they're in the warner brothers uh we have the book editions of them yeah me too (laughs) um but yeah the witches uh you know i gave it three stars they're the, like a single extra star because the effects are so good. Yeah. Um, like the talking mice are like the puppeteering of that. Like occasionally they seem fake, but for the most part, like I thought that was like a real mouse talking to the camera. It looks so good. Uh, and then like the makeup effects on like, like they show Angelica Houston transforming, mm-hmm. you know, she, there's this one shot where she's like holding her fake face over her face. Yeah. And you know, this is before CGI. So at the very least, I think this is what, 89, 88. And so the closest thing you can use to like achieve this shot is the, uh, the cam that Zemeckis had for Back to the Future 2 and Roger Rabbit. Which yeah. I don't think they could be, like, I can't imagine they're using because that would be something fresh and like Disney probably owns at the time. Yeah. Or unless you'd like ask how, I mean, I, I'm sure Robert Zemeckis, if you called and asked, he might let you use it i don't know and those are big budget movies and this is mm-hmm. like you know objectively the, the story is not that interesting and there's not a ton of conflict it's really this kid's parents die and he has to live with his grandma and his grandma like has a heart attack so she takes a vacation with him to this hotel which is like the hotel in that like it looks like the exact hotel from that family guy episode where they have like the murder mystery like at the hotel on the edge of the cliff yeah like it looks like like exactly like that hotel, so I think uh, there might be some crossover inspiration there. But yeah, and there's just like a convention of witches, and they develop this uh, serum that's going to turn all the kids in town into mice, and then the kid turns into a mouse, and you know turns it against the witches, and like they really don't. He never really fails at doing that. Like he gets away with it right right away. So, you know. Uh, yeah, the story's kind of, and then the the re- resolution at the end, like one of the, there's actually a good witch that didn't get uh, poisoned, and she comes back and just heals him, and drives. It's kind of like 
it, it seems like a last minute rewrite. Um, it's, but the um, effects are the most impressive part. It's my favorite Roald Dahl book. Um, growing up, I loved this book and I love James and the Giant Peach. Um, Roald Dahl is my favorite author when I was a kid. I used to have all his books and in the course of getting older and moving, I lost them. But uh, when just before Kellen was born, they had this like uh, uh, like sidewalk cell, all the houses in Stapleton or Central Park, whatever they call it now. And um, and what, at one of the uh, homes that we went to was the one of an early hardcover of the witches. So I, I bought it for like two bucks and I look up and I see it right now. And uh, so I, I loved the book when I was a kid. Um, and I always thought Roald Dahl was really uh, a great writer and he told really whimsical things and uh, they had a hint of darkness to it. Um, he hated, he hated children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'd have to go back. I don't remember how the book ends cause I haven't read it in 30 years, but um so what I just described is different from the actual... No, so the, the story is pretty similar. I, I, again, I can't remember. I do know that it deals with the, two, the kid and his grandma warns him about witches. Yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, the, like, I think 10 minutes of the opening of the movie is his grandma talking to him about you know, what to watch out for with witches. And she tells the story of this one girl that she knew that got imprisoned in a painting. Mm-hmm. And later on, there's a painting at the hotel that the witches like check on, and you think that's like foreshadowing that whatever how they defeat the witches is gonna maybe set them free, mm. but that never happens in the movie. Like they never yeah. call back to paintings ever again in the movie after that point. So yeah, you bring that up and makes I'll probably I might read the witches. I mean, it, it's a roll doll is really easy to read. I think it's only. Maybe 150 pages, and there's lots of pictures in it, so I could probably yeah. read that in a day. Because that whole painting aspect of the story is actually like really scary and haunting. Like, can you imagine, you know, Kellen getting <laughs> imprisoned in a, a piece of artwork in your house, and like every time you look at the artwork, you know, he's in a different place and like also oh. aging at the same time. I would be like Sam Neill in in the Mouth of Madness. This is not reality. Because <laughs> in the mouth of madness, the painting constantly changes in it as well. Yep. And then last, to get James to watch that movie. <laughs> and the last thing I watched uh, was at the Mayan, and that was the personal history of David Copperfield, which I never read. Dickens's Copperfield, um, and the trailer, I, I thought this looked cool because I had like an air of uh, fan- fantastical whimsy to it, and it was uh, directed by. Uh, the, director of, yeah, the director of um, the director of the death of Stalin last year, um, and I don't know. I I, I was kind of kind of bored throughout the whole thing. I couldn't quite follow like what the point of everything was. Um, it seems like David Copperfield is just like that sucks because a trailer does sell it like a really quick moving kind of zany offbeat comedy. Yeah, it's, it has some really. Cr- creative visuals but as far as like what i was trying to follow i couldn't quite latch on to uh, like has anyone is anyone else familiar with the story of david copperfield i uh, wasn't until now my my i tried to read it with my grandfather and i couldn't get through it but um i think it's just like no he's, i'd be blank going in he's kind of um you know he, he's got a mind that's not in step with the rest of the world he's he's 
which is, it feels like there's this other movie I'm trying to remember that's very similar, but like, like maybe like the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, um, mm. where like he's like he's a daydreamer um, and like a, an aspiring writer, and he wants to be creative, but like the rest of the world is like keeping him down. Um, and he, as he goes through life, um, you know, his parents die early, and then he has to go live with uh, foster parents in England, and um, I think it was England. And he's like at a factory, like he's child labor at a factory, and then he like revolts, and then goes and lives with his uh, real grandmother who has a estate, and then works his way up through society, and then gets brought back down uh, through crushing financial times. And as he goes, like all the people he meets in his travels feed into what he's able to write about. And then by the end of the story, you know, he's got a book that can, is supposedly like this whole journey is, is the tale, the interesting tale of his life. But I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. He met some like eccentric people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's just, this just seems like a, it's a movie of just like random silliness. Um, and that's it. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to get out of it. You know, Ryan, I've seen this before, but I, I, I need to watch it at some point. Um, the, a David Copperfield with uh, W.C. Fields by George Cukor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might want to check that one out before I watch this. But I like Iannucci a lot from Death of Stalin. And um, I still haven't watched Veep yet, but we'll, we'll do it soon. Veep's one of the greatest shows ever. That's what my dad tells me. My dad's better at television than I am. <laughs> Zach, what'd you watch this week? Um, I uh, didn't watch that much, even though I wasn't on last week. So there's not a lot of backup. Um, I uh, rewatched The Untouchables. Um, it's a good movie. Kind of a yeah, it's a great movie. It's a wonderful film. It might be my number one film of the year it came out. You'll have to listen to that film closure uh, and watch James sleep, sweep it. But yeah, no, I I really I really liked rewatching it through the lens of having done the Hitchcock series because. There's the joke that De Palma just rips off Hitchcock the entire time. And I think it's like a little bit too harsh of a criticism, but when you get to the end of that movie, it is very much a Hitchcock by the last like 10, 15 minutes from a visual scheme. Um, but I really love rewatching um, Sean Connery do his thing, which by the way, Ryan, if you're not a cop, that walks down the street with a nightstick like that and doff your hat to people, then you're mm-hmm. not like Sean Connery in the untouchables. And then that's, that's where the problem lies is you need to be that cool. Um, Never will be. You, are pretty, you mean you are pretty cool. Cause I heard Cary Grant gave you a really cool birthday card. Um, True. <laughs> but yeah, he did. It was, it was pretty cool. I saw it. Um, <laughs> and I actually really love this, the, the scene, the scene in uh, untouchables that's still, fucking floors me is uh robert de niro with the baseball bat giving the speech about being on a baseball team right before he whacks the guy who uh who fucking tripped up it's just this beautifully elegant shot um moving around that table of and just like the tension is so fucking thick um but yeah that was a good old time rewatching that um and then i I rewatched the irishman right after that because why not um and then I went ahead and revisited The Treasure of the Sierra Madre uh, with movie. Humphrey Bogart and uh, Tim Holt and Walter Houston. Wonderful film. Um, it, uh, it, it strikes me every time I watch it, I always find something new in it. And I think for the first time 
in watching that movie, I really realized how great of an actor Walter John Huston was from the beginning because he's only in two scenes. But like he obviously we have an image of him as an actor for films like Chinatown and such. But he um, when he's giving the money to Bogart constantly, he has this just wonderful direct like he's the only guy in a movie that I can see at this point who could talk down to Bogart and get away with it. <laughs> like, cause he's really like browbeating the shit out of him for being a fucking like constant annoyance asking for money. Um, and then it's Walter Houston's movie, the rest of the movie along with Bogart. It's it's, if you've never watched the treasure, the Sierra Madre guys, what's your fucking problem? Um, hey. And then. <laughs> so I'll Brad, give you a problem. Brad, Brad, this doesn't apply to you. you we know you'd find it boring. Um, but I mean, I don't actually, maybe you'll have fun with it. I don't know. I see the middle fingers just because my camera's off doesn't mean yours is. <laughs> um, I wanted you to see uh, them. I know you did. Um, and then I rewatched the Magnificent Ambersons, which is a Orson Welles film that got taken away from him um, after he went to South America to film stuff for the war effort. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jaws. Um but um, but it's it's still a good movie in spite of the fact that it's a butchered masterpiece. Like it's absolutely butchered by a studio who took away a product. And like I, part of it was also watching this documentary called "It's All True," which is a uh, the the restoration of the footage that Wells was shooting in South America for the Goodwill program uh, during the war when Wells got Ambersons taken away from him. So it's kind of interesting to watch those two side by side and kind of watch this tragedy happen behind the scenes while you're trying to watch a narrative take place. Um, and then the last, uh, the second to last thing I rewatched was black Panther. Um, I was, I, I'm still floored by that movie as I was when I first saw it. Um, there's a line in that movie where Angela, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, Angela Bassett tells, um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o that she should take the flower and be the Black Panther. And I'm not opposed to that either. Yeah. So there's a couple options we've got here, guys. We can get Lupita Nyong'o. We can get Shuri. We can get Lupita Wright. We can get, you know what? Why don't we get Umbako to do it? <laughs> like, there are a lot of characters that they have there that they could give that mantle to that would be just as worthy. Um, and I, God, Winston Duke is, Mbaku is still one of the greatest things cinema's ever given us. <laughs> okay, don't talk or I'll feed you to my children. <laughs> um, they should, uh, if they do a Black Panther sequel, they should totally, you know, when they visit the astral plane, they should show Chadwick Boseman like in the constellations in the background. That's a great idea. That's very, very great idea. Um, and then there's, uh, and, and Michael B. Jordan's still wonderful in that, how we haven't given him some form of recognition around awards time yet is, is still a fucking crime on this earth. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the moment that really hit me in the fucking gut at the end of the movie, it's when they're outside of the projects uh, where, uh, where his uncle was, uh, where his uncle was murdered by their father. And he, uh, <laughs> sure. He goes, uh, good. They're tearing it down. Good. And he goes, no, they're not. I bought that building and that one and that one and that one over there. 
And, he, and then he talks about how it's going to be the Wakanda Outreach Center, and I just started losing my shit, like, and just started crying my eyes out. It's, um, it's, it's really a shame we lost him because mm-hmm. I really wanted him in Black Panther 2, Black Panther 3. I wanted him for a long time as that character and doing other things too. Like, so it's, uh, it, 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 Ryan, as much, it, it, I think you and I kind of had the same emotional effect when this happened, but I think for maybe for different reasons, I don't know, but cause like, I like Marvel and comic books, but I'm not the same comic book guy as you are, but just watching it from a, from a performer, like he, he carries that movie. I know we talk a lot about Michael B. Jordan and, um, and the other actors, but he, he carries that movie like a fucking champ. It's such an amazing feat to watch. Um, and then the very last thing that I watched um, was my uh, breath take a sigh of relief as I finished the Shamley Silhouette. Finished releasing every single episode of this show thanks to Brad's um, ability to get it linked up to the site. So <laughs> I want to thank I want you guys are two of the two of the guests. Ryan, you were on three times. Brad, you were on once, but you were uploading this thing like crazy. The I want to thank episode. you guys. For yeah, that's the best episode. <laughs> now, 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 hold on. The, the square below me has three episodes, and one of them is my favorite to re-listen to. So, <laughs> which one is that? It's the hunt for the Huntley Haverstock one, which is where we discuss the World War II films. Um, that is a discussion that I have wanted to have with somebody on a podcast for years. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but guys, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for encouraging a dumb dream. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then also within this, also thank you to Adam Roach, who was our final guest. Um, does the Secret History of Hollywood, which just put out Carrie, um, which is the first in a series that he's doing on Carrie Grant. Um, Ryan, I know you looked a little excited when I posted a link to it. Yeah, I started um, listening to it. It's good. Yeah, and uh, his episode of Shamley is really fun. Um, that episode will be coming to the regular feed along with the remaining three episodes fairly soon. Um, and then I'll announce it here because this is where I tend to announce things now. Um, the Aww. next, the next series is, <laughs> hold on. Do we have the sitcom, uh, the, the, the laugh track audience uh, move down now to an awkward, like we get an awkward hug in and then they go, Oh, like, um, but no, so the next series, um, first of all, the show is going to be now become a, a show called Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review, um, where we're going to talk about Golden Age Hollywood films. But there's going to be a main series within each, um, uh, within the rest of the episodes that we can record on different topics. So like Ryan, I'd like you to do Awful Truth no. um, on an episode. Me? Yes, you. <laughs> and then I put the Cary Grant gift. Get out. Um, uh, yeah, that that was my Cary Grant. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. We talked about George Clooney playing him, but I think you've got a shot. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I will announce here though that the next main series. Oh God, Brad, you've got the buttons. You've got the buttons. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh, he's doing it. Oh. <laughs> hey, Brad. What the fuck is Shucky Ducky? I don't know. I want to know that now. Oh, the button? Yeah. <laughs> Play it. Shucky Ducky. It must be something from a movie. Hmm. Anyway, while, while Brad's trying to figure out what Shucky Ducky is, um, so we'll talk about Golden Age Hollywood films of various different varieties and gamuts. 
but the next main series is going to be the um, the parallel lives and similarities of the filmographies of John Huston and Orson Welles. So we're going to be covering more than 60 films. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be taking a while to plan it. Sorry. Um, what? I was playing. I was playing sound effects. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, they're terrible. I didn't hear them. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear them either. That's not cool. In case, in case a fart noise came out when I said those names, uh, the next series will be on John Huston and Orson Welles. The key thing about them is, is that they had a friendship that lasted throughout their lives in Hollywood that culminates with the final film that um, they reconstructed two years ago, The Other Side of the Wind, where John Huston plays a, role in the mo- a lead role in the movie. Um, so I'm going to be covering both their filmographies. So I already have sent some titles to you, but like Brad, there's a Sylvester Stallone, John Huston movie that you can, that you get to watch now. Um, and then Ryan, obviously I'm probably going to be having you on for Maltese Falcon or treasure the Sierra Madre. One of those two. So, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be the next series, but thank you guys for supporting it. I really appreciate it. And that's all I watched this week. (laughs) I heard that one. (laughs) Now do the shove it one. Shove it, shove it, shove it. Go to hell, go to hell. (laughs) Eat my butt. (laughs) <laughs> eat my butt, eat my butt. <laughs> ding, 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 dingo and the b- b- baby. <laughs> Ryan? Um, you know, I actually didn't watch hardly anything. Um, one of the coolest things I love about HBO Max is they put all the HBO documentaries on there because I think HBO makes really great documentaries. Um, I watched one called Manhunt, the hunt for Osama bin Laden, and it uh, dealt with uh, CIA and analysts who are all women and helped connect the dots for Osama bin Laden. And uh, one lady who was on the documentary was actually, has been tracking him since 1993. Um, And then, you know, of course, and he helped with the bombing of the trade center, the USS Cole, the embassy in Africa, and then of course, nine 11. But uh, it was a really interesting documentary. um, And yeah, you should check it out. It's, it's maybe two hours long. Where is it on? Uh, HBO Max. It's called Manhunt. Okay. So that's a good one. Uh, I also, uh, I'll talk about it when I finish it, but uh, I wa- I started watching the Michelle uh, McNamara I'll Be Gone in the Dark documentary. Oh, um, snap. And it's, uh, it's even more profound now because that dude like admitted to doing it and a whole bunch of other murders and rapes. You got like 26 life sentences or something? Yeah. And uh, is it you know when someone's a piece of shit is you can kill that many people and you make a deal because you don't want to die. That's just a total prick. Um, But the story is really fascinating because they do, uh, because Michelle McNamara wrote a blog, a true crime blog, and then she did podcasts. And so she's also telling you this story with Patton Oswalt telling you the story and how she was obsessed with finding this guy and how she would use her research ability to, or her, res- I don't know what the right word is, but how she'd use research to find all these uh, other true crime stuff. You know, she helped solve a kidnapping. There, it's, it's in the first episode, and uh, this one kid was kidnapped from a place in Missouri or Kansas, I can't remember. And she said, wow, that sounds a lot like this other kid who was kidnapped. So she started posting about it. And when the police went to look for the kid who was 
just kidnapped. They found a kid who has been missing for four years and they were both kidnapped by the same guy in the same, and they she took him to the same house. It's really fascinating. Um, so I'll talk about it more when it's done, but it's kind of eerie, but um, she is such a great storyteller that it's a really fascinating documentary. Um, it's more, I guess it's more of a series. I think there's six or seven episodes. And uh, it's, should... it's based on the book that was released post her death, correct? Yeah. So she uh, wrote almost all the book and then Pat Oswalt and one of her friends helped finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really interesting and terrifying and good watch. Um, I, I watched uh and the only other thing I watched this week is The Omen, with <laughs> starring Gregory Peck. Damien, Damien. Um, uh, it's um, you, you know, it's funny. I watched that movie. And I remember watching it with my dad, and every time I'd watch it, my dad would call that call him the crazy fucking Damien kid. He's like, "There's that." He's like, "There's that little fuck Damien." Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, it's really well done. Richard Donner is a really great director. Um, oh yeah. You know, you watch it now and you forget how influential that film is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I never thought it was that scary. Um, the scene with Gregory Peck and, uh, oh, fuck. well, they're in the cemetery and the dogs are chasing them is really great. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it's, I mean, there's some shocking moments, obviously. Uh, it, the purposeful murder of, his infant or his newborn son. So he could take Damien home is always a, a little thing. And uh, the scream factory, I got the box set from scream factory. Cause that box set is like $80. Um, but two weeks ago on Amazon, it dropped to 29. So I, I bought the box set. Um, and there's a great interview with the writer and he's really funny in it. He said, yeah, I wrote this terrible fucking script and I, I sent it to, uh, Warner Bros. They wanted to make it, and they did. And I, he went to the screening, and he said, "This movie's terrible." He said, "This is not going to make any money." And uh, he and the writer said, "I didn't know anything about that." And Richard Donner called him. He said, "Hey, man, come to my house." And he's and he's <laughs> and he went to Austin. Richard Donner said, "Hey, I hear you're telling people at the studio that this movie sucks." He said, "Yeah, I saw it. It didn't. It's not that good." And Richard Donner said, "Well, yeah, it's not color corrected." Uh, cause the scene in the cemetery, uh, where the dogs attack him was like shot during the day. So it was really bright. So he saw an unfinished film that didn't have any music. So Donner says, Hey man, watch this movie that's finished. And then he said, after I watched, I said, we are going to make a lot of money. And he gave a lot of credit to Gregory Peck and, um, Richard Donner for taking his shitty script and making it a good movie. Uh, uh it's still a fun movie. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's fun. Um, yeah, and that's all I watched this week. Ryan, uh, re- really quickly, the, the the audience won't know this necessarily, but when you posted that picture of it, I'm still proud of this that I wrote for you. When you bought it, did you say the phrase, it's all for you, Damien, as you click <laughs> the confirm purchase button? <laughs> it's all for you, Damien. <laughs> like, uh, you've got to do um, uh, the whole series now. Do they have the remake in that box set? Yeah, so it has all five of them. It has a TV movie and the remake. Ooh, wow, they get it. Well, it's Scream Factory. They get everything. Yeah, so I, I'm so far behind. That's why I'm going to drop so many articles. I have a Scream Factory crypt of um, some movie. I have a Family Guy one coming out. I have my Coins, Cards, and Comic one. Um, yeah, 
I have a bunch of them. Right on. Yep. Much literature from the world of Ryan Frost. Yes. Um, this week on Real Nerds, we went to the movies again. And, well, some of us did. And we saw Bill and Ted face the music. Brad, should people go see Bill and Ted face the music? Uh, yeah, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I was kind of frustrated that like, it wasn't a movie that could have been made with a, a bigger budget, uh, even though the, uh, the effects of the movie are actually really good for what their budget is. Um, and it seems like there's two movies kind of fighting, trying to compete. Um, it's it's a big nostalgia trip, but like overall, it's just fun. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just it's a movie that just kind of made me feel good watching it. So it's it's great to have right now. Zach, um, this right now is uh, in contention for my favorite movie of the year. I had so much fun with it. Um, being being a Bill and Ted fan that I am, um, I had I had expectations going in for just like a bare minimum that I wanted from the movie because I couldn't have a, I could, I wasn't, I, I wasn't dumb enough to expect to have it reach my heights of the first one. Um, I was kind of hoping like just make it as fun as bogus journey and we'll be fine. I think it ended up topping that expectation triple fold. Um, winter and Reeves are great in it. I think it's well directed. Um, uh, Billy and Theodora are adorable and wonderful and I want more adventures with them. Um, and there's a lot of moments in the film that um, give emotional payoff to a series about two goofy idiots who started a time travel adventure outside of a circle K it's, it's like, it's similar to those reasons why I like a clerks too, where like, if you can give me emotional payoff to goofy characters, like you've won my heart. And, um, and this movie made me feel optimistic more than anything else. You know, like there's, there's an optimism in this movie, especially by the end, that I think is something I haven't felt in a while. So yeah, I would definitely go check it out. I always love that we've evolved from when Zach and Corinne say if you should see this movie or not to like two or three minutes of them talking about it. But uh, I'm going to time it next time. <laughs> you, sh- you should. I'll review um, up front. Um, yeah, you should see this movie. Um, Zach said it, you know, and Brad said it as well. It's kind of a movie that you need right now where it's like sweet and like fun. And, you know, cause I mean, we saw unhinged last week and there's stupid characters and it's just like mean, but not in a fun way. Um, just makes the world look like hopeless. Yeah. This movie is uh, really fun. Uh, yeah. You should go see it. Here's a trailer for Bill and Ted face the music. When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel, and you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. We've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan. 
performed tonight will save reality as we know it. Oh, dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it and take it from ourselves? Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah! Yeah! We should help them out. Yeah! No way! How's, How's it going, going Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so fantastic. We're gonna go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Why, for this and the wild stallions. Let's rock! Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Doing? Well, you know, we're dead and we're in hell. But how you doing? We're good. good. I still think the trailers for this movie are garbage. Um, they're they're not great. That second one's better than that first one. It's fine. It got it got it gave you the taste that you needed to go like, will this work? And then you watch well, and you go, oh, it works. Well, you know, when I watched the trailers, I was like, man, they don't really have the chemistry anymore, and it feels forced. But when you watch the movie, they're really good in it. Um, and they really go right back in the character. And you realize how hard – I know they say dude and excellent a lot. But for them to constantly say their lines at the same time in the same cadence without missing a beat and that it just seems 100% natural is a really huge testament to them as actors. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean the basic plot is they were supposed to unite the world. They didn't. And so now they have to write the greatest song in the world, kind of like tribute from Tenacious D. They have to write the greatest song in the world to unite the universe and all reality. And uh, that's a really funny running joke because um, they say it a lot and they said, oh, that's new because they really, they're, before they're just saving the world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun because they also really embraced how goofy of a concept it is. Um, I love the couple's therapy scene um where uh they're saying we love you <laughs> they just wanted them to say i love you it, they just keep rearranging the sentence to yeah the bottom of my heart ted and i love you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like ted you're doing it wrong um and he says the same thing he just makes it a longer sentence yeah um the only thing i i, I will slightly disagree with you is I, I i didn't think the daughters were that interesting Oh. And um, I thought Ted's daughter was kind of annoying. She was trying to play Keanu Reeves and it, her, it seemed uh, her movements didn't seem natural to me. Um, uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Ryan, you're not going to take this away from me. <laughs> no, I, I kind of felt that way too. Like I didn't, I didn't not like, not like the daughters, but it was clear that they were basically doing a remake of the first movie Yeah, on their own. And then meanwhile, we've got this other movie with, Bill and Ted in their adventure. Um, so it felt like those two things were competing. Um, mm. I, I wish it was more like, actually like, it reminded me of Jay and Silent Bob um, reboot, where like I felt, I, I wish there was some kind of conflict between the daughters and Bill and Ted. Because mm-hmm. it, it, 
like you see the like early on that the daughters are going to be the solution mm-hmm. uh, emotionally to solving the movie, like that passing of the torch. But they're always removed from Bill and Ted for the whole movie, so there's never yeah. anything to play off of. And I like I feel like they would be great characters if they had a more integral role personally, because you know they weren't they're not like daughters who were abandoned because you know. They, they spent all their time recording music or something. They actually like had a good upbringing. So there, there's no conflict between the fathers and daughters. So it just kind of, it's like, okay, well, there's no uh, yeah. drama to the story. So it's really just about, it's more about Bill and Ted and their problems with their wives. <laughs> like their yeah. whole, their whole story is just trying to make sure their wives don't divorce them. Yeah. But they, you know, also too, I didn't understand why their old wives kept going everywhere and how they were going to ruin stuff. Cause they never really explained that part. I cannot uh, follow the time travel in this movie. Like I know yeah. it's not important, but it, it kept me like off balance figuring like, okay, well if they can go do this, this over here, why can't you do this over here? And like, how do they have access to this and how many people actually know how the time travel is real? Yeah. yeah you know, uh, I always think back to, uh, you know, the only movie that I really thought time travel was really well done was edge of tomorrow or back to the future. But like, if you, um, I always think back to Austin powers and the spy who shagged me where he's trying to explain what happens if he goes back to time and he messes with the current timeline. One night he goes on this really long monologue and he goes, Oh look, I've gone cross-eyed. And he says, yes, don't worry about it, Austin. And uh, Basil looks to the audience and says, and it's best if you don't worry about it either. Cause Which Rufus says, it's like, don't worry yeah. about any of this. Just it'll all make sense in the end. Yeah. Which is fine. I- yeah, and I, I loved like evil Bill and Ted throughout it. Yeah, I thought, I thought they're really funny. Um, wait, why do you guys have English accents? Those guys are so dumb that they don't realize that they're being played. Oh, and Dennis. Oh yeah, Dennis is great. <laughs> Which at first I was like, oh okay, like a shitty like cosplay robot, and then when you figure out he like he has a personality, and I was I thought like they were setting up that he was going to be like someone they actually knew. Mm. Then it got transformed into the robot, and then it just didn't go anywhere after that. No, but it still works because he has some really funny lines. And like uh, when he feels bad about <laughs> killing the everybody, like the, his uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's daughters and all the historical figures. I like, want you to know that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I, my favorite part with the daughters is when they confronted uh, death. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty yeah. great. That's a beautiful moment. And then um, <laughs> Kid Cuddy's a station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great way to get a station reference in without bringing in station. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I also think my favorite part of the movie is that they actually went through the trouble of making the song for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the song that they actually, because it seems like any other movie probably would have, um, you know, like sidestepped it, like find a clever way of, like, yeah, we saved the world, but, you know, we actually didn't, it didn't require the song to get, get made, right? Yeah. Um, and they, they did it. They actually wrote a song that, like, unites the world. And, like, I like that they stepped outside the traditional thinking of, like, they literally had to unite the world because the yeah. timeline had skewed all over the place. It wasn't just, like, bringing peace and love to humanity. It was, like, yeah, the world's going to literally fracture yeah. And it, uh, unless the song gets written. So I thought that was a cool way to play with uh, the, the wording of everything mm-hmm. that's been prophesized. So there's a, a there's actually a great um, dramatic moment, like where they bring a lot of uh, legacy to the Rufus characters. Obviously, Carlin's passed away. 
And I like that they named um, Rufus's daughter Kelly after Kelly Carlin. Um, but um, the uh, the whole thing of like Rufus's wife, um, Kelly's mom, basically saying like, not, not everybody read the pref- prophecy as your father did. And her thought is like, what if Bill and Ted need to die to unite the world? So I was like, oh, that's cool. They're kind of throwing in these little, you know, curveballs into the into the philosophy and mythology of this, again, movie about time travel that starts outside of a Circle K. <laughs> um, but uh, the by the time they get to the end, when, when they have the moment with their daughters where they basic, well, obviously they admit that they're not the ones who are writing the song that'll save the world. And they talk about the reasons why they are more than equipped to do it because of like everything they've learned from loving their dads and loving music. Like there's something, there's something very beautiful about that torch pass that I think mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work in something like James Silent Bob reboot. Whereas this one handles it beautifully. Well, yeah, because we're not forced to like watch Harley Quinn Smith. You know? I don't think, well, I don't think Harley Quinn Smith's the problem with that moment, but. Um, I, I do. Um, I, she's 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 not an actress, and it's yeah, and, and that and if and Jane saw Bob rebooted doesn't seem as natural. Whereas in this, it's a nice natural progression. It feels like of the film. Yeah. Um, oh, it, I, I, like yeah, I was saying, John, so I actually meant onward. Like I wish this movie had that onward moment where you followed the whole movie. Like you, you think that I forget the character's name in Onward, but you know it's he's trying to be able to see his dad one more time, mm-hmm. and the fact that he were like uh, the sorry I forgot Zach hasn't seen this movie yet. Uh, anyway, go ahead, spoil it. It's fine. I, if I haven't seen Onward yet, I'm an idiot. You are, yeah, because this movie great. But anyway, that reveal in that movie at the end is I wish this movie had that same impact because yeah, like when Bill and Ted recognize like it's their daughters that have to, are the ones that they've raised to do this. Like, I wish the movie had set that up better. Like, again, if they had some kind of conflict between the fathers and the daughters, I think it would have got there, but yeah, they're, they're raised. Okay. And they were such music nerds. They were able to travel throughout history and yeah, grab everybody. And, and there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. There's no drama to it. They just kind of, they find them and they commit like the only, the, the hardest thing you have to do is convince uh, Jimi Hendrix to join the band. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone and, else just comes along. <laughs> and, and that's even a fun moment too, because, um, you know, getting Louis Armstrong and, you know, Hendrix walking away saying, you know, basically whatever and have him play his trumpet and it echo down the hallway and he comes back. I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and then Jimi Hendrix uh, having a little jam off with Mozart. <laughs> yeah. Nice little fun little bit. Um, oh, the other unsung hero is the director. Uh, yeah. He uh, directed um, Galaxy Quest. You know, it, he's a great choice for this movie because he can handle the heart and the funny really well, obviously in Galaxy Quest. And he keeps the it moving. Like, this movie moved quickly. I never felt it was dragging its feet. Um, you know, I, I, I even like the dad who's... Uh, at the, I, you know, I didn't know right away. I'm watching the beginning of it. But then when Ted is explaining to everybody who his brother's marrying is really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, Mitzi. Okay. Yeah. So in a way, you're your own son. <laughs> <It's just> so... <laughs> I'm curious why they didn't get uh, the original princesses and 
his brother because they they're all still active in Hollywood. They changed them for the sequel too, so maybe they pulled this off the way they do with the Griswold kids in every vacation movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. You could have them, but I mean, they, they're fine. Um, uh, it's kind of weird. The princesses are always kind of like, they're not really characters in these movies, which is kind of a shame, but uh, I think they get way more to do in this movie than they've ever had to do in terms of being characters. Um, I haven't seen Bogus, so I didn't, I didn't know. They have they have involvement because they're members in the band and part of them is like you know them wanting to propose to the princesses, um, but uh, but the the main movie is obviously Bill and Ted's Adventures Through Hell and getting back, um, and uh, there's uh, I mean I liked having a tiny bit of George Carlin. There was some kind of report that came out after the movie that um, they were going to have a full CGI George Carlin bit, and I was like, oh, I'm glad they didn't do that fucking thing. <laughs> like I would not have. I would not have stood for that. He doesn't um, skip on CGI though. Like I was saying earlier, the budget, like it looks good. Like oh, yeah. a lot of the, but I wish budget wise, my point was that like a lot of the scenes are like Bill and Ted in her room talking. Um, I wish they could have had more leeway to mm. go more places or have more blocks like, you know, they, they're in that mansion at one point and a lot of it's just cutaways to other rooms and then, you know, I don't know. I'll and Dave Grohl, he was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun reel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? <laughs> this wasn't crowdfunded, right? No. I don't think so. Because okay. uh, a lot of this was able to get done after Orion Pictures reformed. It took the original company getting back into existence to get this movie out. <laughs> well, I, I think Keanu and uh, Alex Winter, they, they're still friends. I think they've been talking about it for a really long time. They've been trying to get this done for years. They've talked, they, they, there are more press reports on a, on a third Bill and Ted movie than I'd ever thought I'd ever see in my life. They extend far beyond the last couple of years. Um, yeah. I was wondering if it was crowdfunded because, like, it is Orion, but it's like not showing up in like the box office mojo totals. Like, it's it should be a, it should be reporting, right? Uh, if you go to Variety, I think it made um, like almost two million dollars. Yeah, and it's also um, it's not playing at any other theater chain in here other than Alamo, so maybe it's not. Yeah, and Box Office Mojo, they put out a tweet a couple weeks ago saying a lot of their um, totals aren't going to be accurate at all because the studios aren't really releasing them. And that total only includes like actual theaters, not because I know you, yeah. it's on, on demand. Yeah, it's only theaters. Okay. Well, maybe, yeah, it's on, maybe on Variety or Hollywood Reporter, it's on one of them. Maybe more people watched it on... Because it, like, it seemed like there's more buzz around this than New Mutants. A positive buzz, I guess. Well, there might be a reason for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you know, New Mutants, I think it made seven million. So, and Unhinged held pretty well at almost three. Okay. So, it, they're saying that Tenant will probably do forty million next week. So, yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's going to be our movie next week. Our movie of the week is going to be Tenant. The say, hey guys, do you know Tenant is the same if you read it forward or backwards? Is that there, a clue? There's a word for that. What is that? <laughs> it's palindrome. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> That's the spoiler that Christopher Nolan told you not to say on this show, Brad. 
Is this really like part of a like Inception universe? Because the guy at the theater who talked to me said it was. I was like, Mm. I think it's just another thing. Uh, I don't know. Is there a Nolan connected universe? I don't think so. Like I could see this being like in the Inception universe because whatever Cobb's operation is, like these could be like a counter operation. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, could you work in Memento to it maybe? How does the prestige fit into all of this? That's all I want to know. Yeah, like I don't think prestige and, would work into it. And also, how does Interstellar fit into Batman? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Next week is a big movie. Hopefully yeah. we'll actually be in the room together because we keep yeah. promising that and not delivering. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully soon. Okay. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.